1: I'm glad that you are here tonight. I'm glad that I'm here. God is here this evening and He wants to know you and for you to know Him more deeply than you currently know Him. And He wants to be more actively and deeply involved in your life than He presently is. So if you are open to that in any way, on any level, might I just invite you to ask Him to speak to you this evening through His Word that we're going to look at, through His Holy Spirit. I'm praying the same thing for myself. And I believe that He will meet you right where you are at. Amen. Um, Our main passage of Scripture for tonight is from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And this is a part of the Bible that is an account that is written by Luke. And it is telling the true story of Jesus' life, or part of it anyway. So let's read together. Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Great passage. Well, Church, we are talking in this season about wisdom and wisdom building the house. We're talking about how wisdom builds our life, our families, our community here and across the world, God's wider church. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about the wisdom of wonder. I wonder if you might uh, consider the last time that you stopped in wonder and in awe at something at anything. Uh, mine was yesterday afternoon. There is a spot that I like to go to when I'm like praying for a message or prepping. And yesterday, to be honest, I wasn't really feeling the best and uh, this message had not really come together. And uh, I had a list of things, other things that I had to do that felt quite pressing that were on my mind, so I couldn't really properly focus. So it wasn't a particularly wondrous moment. Uh, but on the way home, uh, there's this view of the ocean, I can see it right now, uh, where we which I pass frequently, and whenever I see it, I cannot help but stop and thank God, uh, just because it's so, it's so beautiful, and it reminds me of the bigness of God, it reminds me to stop and thank Him that I get to live here, because I go there so often thanking Him, often it reminds me of things that I've thanked Him for in that place before, and so I found myself in this moment of wonder and awe in the middle of a very mundane and somewhat frustrating afternoon. But wonder is a bit of a counter-cultural phenomenon in our society. It is, I I hope you agree, this is my observation, Uh, it's it's a lot more common to be someone who is a bit apathetic, a bit disengaged, a bit distracted, than someone who is wide-eyed with wonder at who God is and what He is doing, and even just at life itself. And perhaps that's because modern life can have a tendency to be a little bit mundane, a little bit monotonous, even a little bit medicated. Pete Scazzera describes it a lot more aptly than I could when he talks about how addiction has become common and normal and acceptable in our culture. He says, We watch television incessantly. We keep busy, running from one activity to another. We work 70 hours a week, indulge in pornography, overeat, drink, take pills, making us nearly unresponsive to all reality. And there is no greater disaster in the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. In fact, true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. I think in the West there's a bit of a narrative that we as Christians don't live in reality, that we're a bit ignorant, that we're kind of blissfully blind to the state of the world. Uh, but I would counter that, I would put to you this evening that to be a Christian properly actually requires living in reality, uh, which is this, which is this. The things uh, that are wrong with the world are not just systematic and structural out in the world or other people's fault. The things that are wrong in the world are actually to do with me and to do with you, which is a big problem. <laughs> um, And yet, God did something about it when He sent His Son Jesus into the world to bear the weight of all of that on Himself in our place, which is a miracle. And so yes, sin and brokenness, they are destroying us. They are destroying our world. Very big problem. But we have a Saviour who rescued and is rescuing us and is restoring the world. (laughs) Which is a miracle. And so yes, there are... Awful things happening everywhere, like unimaginable problems, but we have the Lord who is with us, our God who is working all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, which is in the Bible, which is an unimaginable, unimaginable miracle. So reality is that we live in a tension, a tension of the Kingdom of God that Jesus brought to the earth that is here, but is also not fully here. So one day, reality will be life with God that will look like no pain, no suffering, just endless joy, that's our hope. And right now, reality looks like life with God in the middle of some pain and some suffering, with joy, with miracles, and God being with us and working and healing and restoring in the middle of the mess. But when we are apathetic, when we're numb, when we're disengaged, when we're distracted, when we're medicated by entertainment, we will focus far, far more on the negative aspects of reality, even though it is just as true that our very lives are a miracle. We will lose our wonder. Practising wonder cultivates joy, it brings hope, it highlights beauty in the mundane parts of life that God is actually very much involved in, like a drive home on a Thursday afternoon. And this is not a personality thing or a disposition thing or trying to see the glass half full thing, it's part of life with God. And I feel like I'm allowed to say that because I am not an optimist. And wonder does not come naturally to me at all. You put me in a situation, I will see the problems first. I will see the sin before I notice the miracle. I will identify the cons before the pros every time. So for me, wonder is a practice. And slowly, wonder is producing this contentment in my soul that is far deeper than the kind of happiness that is produced by good circumstances. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I heard someone the other day say that the Western church has it mixed up. We think to live is gain and to die is Christ. It's good. Think about it for a second. When the focus of our life is God, it will be full of wonder. Nothing in our circumstances have to change for us to live in wonder. We just have to wake up to reality. But it's easier said than done. Yes, and one of the greatest contributors to a loss and a lack of wonder is entitlement. Entitlement is a you owe me attitude. And we see this in our culture everywhere today. It's part of the spirit of the age that we live in. It's kind of just normal to feel like we deserve things just because we exist. And I think, I think I said this the other evening, a Christian in the modern West is like a non-smoker in a 1920s bar. Even if they don't conform to the environment around them, even if they don't participate in the behaviours, they're still breathing the atmosphere in. They've still got smoke air in their lungs. Chances are you and I are living with the smoke air of entitlement in our lungs. From a biblical perspective, we could define entitlement as trying to take from God what we believe He owes us. And often there are genuine desires at the core of this. You know, we desire peace, health, love, community. We desire a fulfilled life. The problem is that we often bring our desire for a fulfilled life to God, whilst clutching to our idea of what a fulfilled life must look like. And we're not really open to letting go of our idea in order to grab onto what He is offering. I thought if I followed Jesus, my life would just be this constant upwards trajectory of health and wealth. Or, I thought if I gave of my time and energy to the church, then I'd have the friendship circle that my heart desires and my community would love me perfectly, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that we have thought. It's this subconscious assumption that God owes me, and it blinds us to what we already have, to what He is doing, and to who He is. It kills wonder. So tonight we're gonna juxtapose the spirit of the age with the wisdom of wonder by using our passage of text about the 10 lepers. lepers. And in case you are wondering uh, where the word wonder comes up in the Bible, that is a fair question. Uh, The idea that is undergirding this concept is that we cultivate wonder through gratitude. The wisdom of wonder is choosing gratitude whilst living in a culture of entitlement. And gratitude is a spiritual attitude response practice that is weaved throughout the entire uh, library of Scripture. All right, so we already read our text, but just some context behind the words, I think it's gonna come up behind me. So at this point in the Gospel um, of Luke, word has spread somewhat around about who Jesus is not necessarily as the Messiah, but as this profound rabbi who is performing miracles. And so the ten men with leprosy, they're crying out to him for healing. Leprosy is a catch-all term for a myriad of skin diseases that were very contagious. And in this cultural context, it caused people to be labelled unclean and marginalised from society. So they weren't permitted to enter the temple precinct. If you had leprosy and somehow managed to recover, the process was that you were to go and see a priest who would deem you properly clean and then you could be reintegrated into society and enter the temple precinct. And so they need healing desperately. And uh, as as we read, Jesus didn't touch these men or heal them instantaneously. He spoke to them and he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And this actually could have been up to a two day journey. So I can imagine this response may have been somewhat underwhelming, but nevertheless, off they go. And in verse fourteen it says, As they went, they were cleansed. And then one guy turns around, the Samaritan, so he's a he's a foreigner, he's not a Jew, meaning this is someone who is unfamiliar with God, not someone who is familiar with God like the others. And he thanks Jesus profusely, loudly, extravagantly. And the one to 10 ratio is not lost on Jesus either. He asks, Right, where are the other guys? He knew what he did, and he was expecting some gratitude, and so he was wondering where they were. I wonder how frequently Jesus is asking, Where I am, when he is so much more acutely aware of all the ways he has abundantly blessed me than I am. Have you lost your wonder? Spurgeon's comment on this passage is nine, obey ritual while only one praises the Lord. When we come into church, when we come into our time with God, are we obeying ritual or are we genuinely praising God? Have you lost your wonder? Entitlement is a wonder killer. It is the spirit of the age, not the spirit of God, but gratitude cultivates wonder in our lives. So we're going to do a compare and contrast. Uh, It's going to come up behind me. Firstly, when we live like the culture, entitled, we will only ever give thanks when we feel joy. Our culture has kind of actually conflated gratitude with happiness. So the idea of giving thanks to God uh, when we don't feel happy or feel joyful doesn't make a lot of sense to us. It almost feels like it would be disingenuous or fake to be grateful in the middle of a mess. But the problem with this is that we are choosing the wrong reality to ground ourselves in. Remember, world is broken, but we have a saviour. We are broken, but He is a healer. When everything is going wrong, He is our treasure. Giving thanks when we feel happy is pretty basic. It's what people do. It's in line with the culture. It's the way of the world. Whilst we are called to be in the world, but not of the world, per John 17. But furthermore, if we only give thanks when we feel happy and we don't choose to cultivate and practice gratitude, eventually we might become the kinds of people who get harder and harder to please, who feel happy less and less frequently. Eventually we might not even say thank you when there is a clear and undeniable reason to fall on the floor in gratitude. Take the lepers. Clearly, gratitude here is not contingent on circumstance because this is a straight-up miracle. Imagine, so you're walking towards the temple and maybe you're somewhat disillusioned because that wasn't the answer you were hoping for. But then all of a sudden, hang on a second, I think my skin's clearing up. I think things are changing. Oh my gosh, I'm healed. The disease is gone. This is incredible. So why didn't they stop and turn around? Could it be that they were simply not the kind of people who had cultivated the ability to stop and say thank you? Could it be that they were so entitled that they felt they deserved the healing? Oh, yep, great, let the Samaritan guy turn around. He's unfamiliar with God. He needs to say thank you. I know God. He does this all the time. It's just who He is, so I better get on with it. He doesn't need me to stop and thank Him. It's just who He is. When we're entitled, Thanksgiving is only a product of joy and perhaps eventually Thanksgiving ceases to exist in our lives at all. But conversely, when we live by the wisdom of wonder, when we cultivate gratitude, Thanksgiving produces joy in our lives. Psalm 9, 1-2 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Not I feel, I will. Hebrews thirteen fifteen Through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, meaning it might cost you something, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. One Thessalonians five, sixteen to eighteen. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in in Christ Jesus. So what's the text telling us? Be grateful with all your heart, Psalm nine, as a sacrifice, Hebrews, all the time. 1 Thessalonians. Be grateful with all your heart as a sacrifice all the time. Not grateful for everything, that would be crazy, but grateful in everything because when we live our lives with God, there is always something to give thanks for, even if it's just the fact that God is with us. Ronald Rollheiser says that we are mature to the degree that we are grateful. And Chesterton said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought. These are both very credible theologian people? How does this produce joy in our lives? Well science has been confirming for us since around the 80s, so about 40 years, for about 40 years or so, what the Bible has told us for far longer. Our brains are not good at responding to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. When we choose to be grateful, our brain is far less able to respond to anxious thoughts because it's preoccupied. Meaning gratitude is a mental health superpower. And there are studies that back this stuff up. I I grew up in church, so I've been told by many a well-meaning kids leader and youth leader, and I've probably said it myself as a kids leader and youth leader, uh, worry is a sin, so don't worry. And I don't know about you, but the only thing that that has helped me to do is then begin to worry about the fact that I am worrying and therefore (laughs) just double my sin levels. Rather than focusing on not worrying, we can choose to recognize our worry, see it as an invitation to come to God in thanksgiving, and experience our fear and our anxiety cave under the power of gratitude. Amen. That's pretty much what Philippians 4 6 talks about. And I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, and I'm hit and miss with it, but it is a powerful and transformative way to live. Gratitude trains us to recognise God in the present and it transforms us over the course of time. Because when we can recognise God in the here and now, we're able to build our future based on His promises and not on our own fear. So when we live entitled, Thanksgiving is maybe a product of joy, but when we live grateful in wonder, Thanksgiving produces joy in all things, all the time. All right, moving on, when we live like the culture, entitled, the gifts of our lives become burdens. Now I'm not saying that the lepers who didn't turn around considered their gifts a burden, the scripture certainly doesn't say that, but I am saying that they were more focused on getting to the priest to be declared clean than they were on stopping and giving thanks. And Jesus taught us in Matthew and Luke that God loves to give good gifts to his children, but when we feel entitled to those gifts, we might run into trouble because when we're entitled, we can totally miss the gifts in the mundane of life. Yeah, God gave me a job, but not the job I wanted. It's not my dream job. Yes, God planted me in a community of believers, but it's not my ideal church. Yes, God gave me sufficient clothing plus some, you know, to survive, but they're not the brands that I want to be wearing. Yes, God gave me this rich community of people, but not my spouse. Yes, I have pastors and leaders, but not pastors and leaders who text me every fortnight and invite me over for dinner. Yes, God gave me kids, but not ones that are fitting into my idea of what I want my family to look like. And just like that, all of the gifts become burdens. I'm speaking for myself as that pastor, not everyone else. Sorry, I'll just, you get what I mean. You understand what I mean. My apologies. When we are entitled, we attribute gifts and miracles to ourselves. We think, well, it's because I did this or I did that, forgetting that, as James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Maybe that healing becomes a coincidence. Maybe the healing was a result of how good I was at walking to Jerusalem to find the priest. Now, I was so challenged when I uh, prepared this message, which I didn't really expect, to be honest. Um, And I didn't expect that only because I wouldn't talk about gratitude if I didn't think I had at least a couple of runs on the board. And I genuinely delight in spending my time thanking God. But as I've prepared this, God in His kindness has reminded me of things that I have prayed for and prayed for and that I now resent or take for granted. And that is entitlement. Entitlement church, let this not be true of how we live our lives. Entitled people are frequently disappointed and this often manifests in like, in like a subtle low-grade anger and irritation. Are you always on edge? Have you perhaps lost your gratitude? Could you have lost your wonder? <laughs> when we live entitled, gifts become burdens. But conversely, when we live by the wisdom of wonder, when we cultivate gratitude, burdens can become gifts. There was this man of God, Matthew Henry, who wrote the Matthew Henry Bible commentary. You'll probably see it on Google if you ever like, type in a scripture. I wouldn't recommend using the commentary for study, but he was a very godly man. <laughs> And one day he was robbed. He went home and he wrote this in his journal. Thank you that they took my wallet and not my life. Thank you that though they took my all, it was not that much. And thank you that it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. What a perspective. A grateful heart transforms a burden into a gift. What does it look like practically? Pastor Jared often talks about how instead of asking why God, we say, okay, what now, God? In any and every circumstance, there is the opportunity for the kingdom of God to break forth, firstly in who we are and in our intimacy with Jesus, but then also in the world around us. Rolheiser again, he's so good on gratitude. To be a follower of Jesus is to be fueled by gratitude, nothing more and nothing less. Let no one deceive you with the notion that a passion for truth, for church, or even for God can trump the non-negotiable imperative to be grateful always. Holiness is gratitude. Outside of gratitude, we find ourselves doing many of the right things for the wrong reasons. When we live grateful, cultivating wonder, burdens can become gifts. Alright, we're getting uh, to the end now. The keys can join me if if they would like to. (laughs) If Hayden would like to. Uh, When we live entitled, gifts become the end goal of our faith and our life with God. In verse 19 of our passage, when Jesus says to the Samaritan, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Implicit in the text is that somehow the other nine missed out on some level of being well that the Samaritan was able to access, which is confusing because they were all healed. So we'll get to that in a second. But the idea is that the healing, the gift, the miracle was not all that was on offer for these men. There was something more, something deeper, something richer available to them. We can be part of church and enjoy the gifts and think that we are experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus talked about in John 10, Life and Life Abundant. We can enjoy worship that moves us and preaching that inspires us and friends that encourage us. They're all good gifts. But the Samaritan who turned around and went back to Jesus found that the gift was just a connection point to the gift giver himself. All ten got their healing, but the one who came back to give thanks got something more. And if we look at the root word of that word well here, um, it means salvation. Meaning the leper who returned was the only one who came into salvation that day. The only one who encountered not just receiving from Jesus, but actually knowing Jesus. He was the only one who not only experienced an answered prayer, but he actually came to know the one who answered his prayer. He wasn't just content with the gift or the miracle, but he wanted to relate to the one who gave it to him. And his gratitude produced faith that allowed him to receive salvation. As one commentator puts it, he was made well internally. The other lepers walked away with whole bodies, but sick hearts. Now it's not that Jesus was withholding salvation from the 10 until they proved themselves grateful. It's that the gratitude of the Samaritan allowed him to recognise who Jesus really is. A gift, a miracle, if we view them with gratitude and wonder, are just portals to a deeper understanding of who our God is. Gratitude enables us to grow in relationship with Him, intimacy with Him, and to better enjoy the better gifts He has for us. Deep joy, lasting peace, security in Him, assurance of our hope and of His love. Gratitude transforms gifts into connection points to the gift giver. Because He is everything. He is the goal. He is life, now and into eternity. Heiser says the holiest person you know is the most grateful person you know. Perhaps that is because gratitude connects us to our Jesus. Church entitlement is often our default approach to life, but gratitude, wonder, they produce joy, they turn burdens into gifts and they connect us to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm done, we're about to sing and then Pastor George is gonna come, but I wonder if you just take a minute with me, maybe close your eyes if that helps you. There is a beautiful Hebrew song called the Dayanu and it can be thought of as a practice to make your whole life a spiritual practice. It's a way for us to connect gifts to the gift giver and it's one of the ways I practice gratitude and cultivate wonder in my own life. So here's an example. God, breakfast today would have been enough but you've blessed me with the resources to choose the breakfast I wanted from a whole bunch of options. Thank you for overdoing it. God, choosing the breakfast I wanted from a whole bunch of options would have been enough, but you created a world that is full of ingredients. That means those options aren't just fuel, but delicious. Thank you for overdoing it. God, breakfast that wasn't just fuel, but delicious would have been enough, but you blessed me with the child or spouse or roommate or sibling that I conversed with as we ate this morning. Thank you for overdoing it. And so it could go on and on and on and on. And that is a way that we can cultivate wonder and awe of the kindness of God in our lives. So church, I wonder if you would just take a minute in the quiet and give God thanks for overdoing it. Give Him thanks for whatever you can tonight.
0: Thank you so much for joining us online today.